This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is April the 26th, 2019. Strong hand. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable. Buy and hold. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. And of course, be in motion. Defer gratification. Some of you have been deferring gratification. You've been waiting for this show. We had a little delay, but now we are live. And I'm happy to welcome back Chris Gilliard, of course. What is Bitcoin.com? John is here. And he's the dude that came up with a 210,000 block theory. And we're going to talk about that. And you all know Max Hillebrand, but he's never been on the show before. But you all know him anyway. And I am pumped to have these dudes here. Yeah, it's international because Max is coming straight out of Europe, baby. It, we bring you all sorts of stuff on this show. You never know what is going to happen. So, oh, this was supposed to be a FUD Friday. Those of you who have followed this show for a while and have been in Bitcoin for a while, remember that it seemed like always on Fridays there was FUD news. And yesterday on Thursday, there was an eruption of FUD from Bitfinex, the biggest and baddest Bitfinex tether FUD you've ever heard. It was going to bring down the world, destroy everything. And yet today, everything is fine. And that is my big takeaway from the situation. But let us hear Chris, what he thinks. What happened anyway? What, what's going on? Tether, Bitfinex, FUD. So, I mean, the story, the, the New York Attorney General is basically accusing uh, the company that owns both Tether and Bitfinex of basically borrowing something like $850 million from Tether to, to you know, cover some, uh, you know, missing funds. I think, you know, like a few years ago, there were some issues where Bitfinex got hacked and maybe that's what it was related to. I don't know. But in any case... They borrowed some money from one company and the attorney general is questioning it. Um, my take on it is kind of like, uh, you know, I think most people that have been in the space for a while knew that there were issues with Bitfinex. Um, I mean, I'm not like an active trader. I've used Bitfinex before, but even in 2016, I think, or no, the last time I used Bitfinex was 2017. And I was even a little worried about putting money on it there. The only reason I did it was for the SigWit2x thing where you could sell your SigWit2x futures, which turned out nice. But, um, you know, everyone kind of knew that there was issues with Bitfinex and, and Tether. So this shouldn't be a big surprise. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, the, the price hasn't gone down too much. Uh, it's gone down a little bit, but um, I kind of think it's good to get it out of the way. And, um, you know, like the, the other angle I wanted to bring up about it was the whole ETF thing, um, you know, one of the main reason that the ETF is supposedly on hold had to do with all this manipulation in the market. And, you know, I think everyone kind of suspected a lot of it's going on at, at Bitfinex and, and with Tether and things like that. So getting these things, uh, you know, getting these charges out there, I think, you know, it may, maybe makes it so we can move on and maybe it makes the ETF closer. But of course, I'm the eternal optimist, but, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. I will say it's just I think the 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 market in general is realizing Tether is not Bitcoin. Bitfinex yeah. is one exchange. In fact, Bitfinex was hacked back in 2016 and it was a big deal back then, but if it doesn't have its funds like they might not have their funds, who cares? It's one exchange. There are a lot of exchanges that are completely corrupt out there. I think people are finally getting the hang of this fake FUD 
Friday, FUD Friday fail. All right, John, over at whatisbitcoin.com, would you put your money in Bitfinex at this point? Or do you mess with Tether at this point? What's your take on all this? Um, no, I can't say that I would. I, I've never been a huge fan of Bitfinex, and I actually lost some money in the first hack, so I kind of has a, a bad taste in my mouth. No, I didn't lose money. Like, they made good on it. But um, I, I don't know all the details yet. There's I'm kind of inundated right now with all the – all the news and FUD and I, I'm having trouble kind of sort through what's good info and what's bad info, but I'm, I, I certainly am not happy about it with the attorney general of New York is kind of, um, I think it's a pretty grotesque overreach of authority. And uh, so I definitely, I'm staying away from all custodial exchanges, honestly, for as long as possible. I'm, I'm mostly just focused on buying and holding at the moment. Strong hand. Pound that like button with your strong hand. Do, or have you ever experimented with BISC by any chance? Have you ever looked over uh, there? Not yet. Um, I'm really excited about BISC. I, I think it's it's a really exciting project. I, I'm a little, I mean, I think that they kind of towed it as this, um, you don't have to like identify yourself, but it uses the Zelle payment network, which is already like KYC'd. So I'm just not a, exactly sure how, how that works, but I, I absolutely... I've heard nothing but good things from people I trust about BISC. So I personally have not experimented with it yet, but it is absolutely on my, my list of, of things, services that I'll try. Yes, I am glad you're everyone. Well, first of all, you should be buying and holding like John. All right. You, you shouldn't be wasting your precious Bitcoin on these exchanges. Uh, Max was about to say something, but Max disappeared. What happened here? All right. Well, he, I'm sure he's got a great take on this, and I eagerly await it. But for now, we're going to talk about something. Uh, well, we'll have John talk about the 210,000 block theory real quick, because everyone knows I've been talking about that a lot. Well, John here at whatisbitcoin.com, I mean, he's the one who came up with this. So, so uh, tell us uh, your thoughts on that. Um, well, I'm not sure that I really came up with it per se. It's just a, it's just a hodl. Uh, it's just a matter of how long that you hodl for. And um, I just chose the 210,000 block number because that's like one happening cycle. And I, I personally just play the supply and demand game. And that is the supply of new coins cuts in half every 210,000 blocks every four years, essentially. So I just did some back testing, And I've also bought some Bitcoin, you know, more than 210,000 blocks ago. And it's obviously increased substantially but um the the theory was i mean around my my office i had a bunch of coworkers. we were always kind of debating about whether or not it would be up or down or whatever and i said well you know according to this basically one block halving cycle absolutely zero bitcoin transactions have a lower fiat valuation two hundred and ten thousand blocks after they were mined or transacted and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find if this theory kind of still holds true um, uh, four years from December of 2017. So it'll be December of 2021. Um, but with the next happening coming up in roughly a year, um, I, think it's, I think it's likely. I think the number of hodlers is growing every year. I read this really good uh, tweet from, I can't remember who it was from. And uh, they said, don't focus on the yearly highs. They said, focus on the yearly lows. So like, what's the lowest it's been in 2019? I don't know, three grand or something like that. Before that, it was like, you know, it's, it's been, we've seen a higher annual low every year 
uh, over time, not every year, but I'm saying in general, you can see this kind of upward trend. So the, the 210,000 block hodl theory, I'll stop evangelizing it when it stops being 100% true. But as it stands right now, it's, it's proof of gains. That's what I say. Yeah. Well, it's so far it is, it is held true. Uh, and that is, I, I love it. And, uh, and it's, it's a simple theory. It's not about gambling on altcoins or anything like that. And I, I love things that encourage people just to, to hold and keep it simple. Anyone can understand that. Now I do, I have a, a question for you about your site. Uh, what is Bitcoin.com? Uh, yeah. uh, there is uh, lately on Twitter, people been yelling and screaming about whoever owns Bitcoin.com that it, that they, they shouldn't own it, that it, it's, it, you know, they're lying. It's, it's a B cash site. And people have talked about the at, at Bitcoin uh, feed on Twitter, how that's Bcash mm -hmm. and how it, how it should be confiscated. What do you think about that? Because you, how long have you owned the domain name? What is Bitcoin.com? Um, it's actually really new. Um, actually, back in like 2013, I, I wanted to buy some domain names. I didn't have any money at the time, but I, I did decide that I could squat on some social media handles. So I got the the twitter handle and instagram handle at what is bitcoin and i tried to buy the domain name what is bitcoin from somebody over in russia and it wasn't until like september or october of last year that i found him selling it on reddit like i don't know how the stars aligned but i've only had it for about uh seven months or so and i didn't even really start putting content onto the site till about like october to november of last year so it's it's pretty new website it's a new passion project of mine well I, and so what do you think i mean you were in motion and you just you made your own bitcoin hub do you think it's a, it's such a horrible thing that uh bitcoin.com is owned uh by uh by someone who probably doesn't like bitcoin and that the at bitcoin handle is uh same thing on Twitter. Um, you know that's a hard for me to say. I I'm not tremendously fond of some of the marketing strategies and the tactics that have been employed by the Bitcoin.com team. Um, I think it is it maybe it, it's definitely like misleading in a number of ways, and it can be very confusing for new users if they're searching what is Bitcoin and they learn you know oh Bitcoin.com and this is super reputable, really well put together site. And then when they purchase Bitcoin, they're like, oh, download this Bitcoin cash wallet or what they call, you know, the true Bitcoin. And, and then they go to some other service and they send their Bitcoin cash that they believe is Bitcoin. And then it either gets, you know, stuck and they have to extract it. If it's sent to a SegWit address, it's potentially burned unless you go through all sorts of headache with getting a hiring a miner who can extract it for you and. So I think that it's, um, I would say there's some, some kind of shady tactics there. I don't want to like slander anybody yeah, in, well, in this I space mean, or anything like that. The reason I bring it up is because you just, okay, I don't think that many people are going to get fooled. And anyone can create a site with a really awesome name that could promote Bitcoin. People could find your site just as easily. That That's my point here, is that we should not get fixated on certain names. And like, just think, if it's a bad site, ignore it. Tell, tell everyone it's a bad site. Make your own good site. And that is that is what you have done. So, all right. Uh, Max is back in the house. Max, can you hear me? Yes, I overcame the censorship. Oh, thank God. All right. So we were we were talking about uh, Bitcoin.com, but let's let's move back to the the, the tether situation. Uh, what what are your thoughts on all of that? 
Well, you know, Tether is a shitcoin of a shitcoin, uh, the fiat shitcoin of them all, right? That That is the main thing here, right? It's it's a claim on a claim on a claim. It's not trustless. It's not decentralized. It's not your keys, right? On several regards. Uh, well, because of the U.S. dollar itself that is held in the bank accounts here are not your U.S. dollars, right? They're the U.S. dollars of the central bank that they have loaned out and then loaned out again and loaned out a third time and uh, twice, th three times, ten times over. Uh, so this means that there is a bunch of claims that are very fragile in its nature. Uh, and then if you build on top of that a money warehouse, as the Tether company is, which stores the base money of U.S. dollars in a bank account, which again, it's not their bank account, it's the bank's account, right? Uh, and then they issue a money certificate on top of that, which is the Tether token. Uh, and, and that is like the, the epiphany of the pyramid scheme right here, uh, that then, of course, Ultimately, the token that you have might even be better than the underlying money asset uh, on a usability standpoint, right? It's built on the Omni layer on top of Bitcoin, right? And, and thus, you can send it pretty much instantly across the entire planet, right, in cyberspace. Uh, so the token probably is more usable uh, than the US dollar themselves, right? Because it's less censorable, the token of itself, right? But of course, the claim, the underlying claim uh, is not censorship resistant at all. Uh, and uh, I like there are some use cases for it if you're a trader, right? If you want to move money quickly from A to B, arbitrage was the original idea of Tether. Uh, but of course, your keys, your Bitcoin, as someone in the chat has pointed out already. Uh, and with Tether, you don't have that. Uh, so it's it's an interesting monetary experiment, um, but I mean, marginally interesting. Uh, I'm much more interested in having a censorship resistant sound money, which is Bitcoin, of course. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I, so what's just happened to Tether? It has no effect on Bitcoin, does it? I mean, in your mind, it's it's a complete. It is a completely different entity. First of all, I mean that that has been made clear. But you don't take it as fud, do you? I mean, you, the market has reacted quite nicely. I well, yeah, I mean, is it fat? Uh, well, yes and no, right? Because, of, of course, there is a lot of fragility here, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and that is in the market with volatility, right? So so we see that yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, but, of course, Tether is a, a tiny percentage of the, the total ecosystem here in Bitcoin and not the only thing that, that uh, is responsible for the price. Although, of course, right, uh, this means that we that, that because there are so many trading pairs uh, of Bitcoin versus Tether, uh, for all these entrepreneurs running exchanges that do not want to hold real U.S. dollars because of all the risks that comes with that. Uh, so we have a lot of trading pairs in Tether and Bitcoin. And, and then the uncertainty here in Tether actually will affect the price of Bitcoin, at least in the very short term. right? But in the long term, the honey better don't care. All right. Pound that like button, people. I want to give uh, it linked to below. Bitfinex did have a release. They said, uh, and you can read what they had to say, their side of the story. The New York Attorney General's court filings were written in bad faith and are riddled with false assertions, including as to a, propose, a purported $850 million loss at crypto capital. On the contrary, we have been informed that these crypto capital amounts are not lost, but have been in fact seized and safeguarded. So, I mean, I was I was curious about that. Also, how, did they really lose 850 million? Is it can they just not access their 850 million? We shall see. This is going to play out as Chris said before. It's all out in the open now. Okay, people know the numbers. 
For me, I don't know why anyone in their right mind would even be playing on Bitfinex right now, would even be messing around with Tether right now. Bitcoin is my stable coin. Turn your Tether into some Bitcoin and just let this drama play out. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. I don't care how many Tether it, it, it equals. And uh, it's it shouldn't. And the market has reacted. Again, there was no major crash. It's still, I mean, if you value your wealth in fiat and you look at that thing, it's still above 5,000. So uh, to me, I think that's all I really wanted to say about Tether and, and this whole situation. Does anyone else, anyone on the panel have anything to add to this uh, conversation before we move on? All right. So, uh, one, oh, Chris. One thing, just one last thing. I, I think a good thing that could come out of it is just illustrating to you know, a lot of the people that aren't in the Bitcoin space, they they see this idea of this the stable coin and they think it's really interesting. Um, this will, if this fails the way that it, you know, it's looking like it might. I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen, but if it does, it'll give us something we can say, like, hey, you know, we tried stable coins, they don't work out too good. I mean, I think in the long run, Bitcoin's going to be the stable coin. Um, right now, we're too volatile, but um, you know. As time goes on, for every happening, it, the volatility seems to dampen a little bit. And you know, I, I mean, I think it's going to take billions and billions of dollars to come into into Bitcoin before it gets really stable. But I think that's really going to be the best stable coin we can possibly ever have if, if we get to that point. Yeah, man, it's it's. I already value my wealth in Bitcoin, so it is. It definitely is my stable coin. Okay, people, remember Tether is not Bitcoin, and Bitfinex is just one exchange and. This was FUD Fail Friday. Now, moving on, let's. The, earlier in the week, there was a story about. Uh, well, I, should we talk about that? Oh, the Bitcoin bottom. Everyone's like, "Are we? Did we hit the bottom in terms of fiat?" And I've been saying, "Dudes, don't even waste your time with this type of thing. Don't, don't worry. Just keep, keep on moving and grooving. There are other things to to, to think about here." Uh, Max. Do you, do you, what do you just ignore the Bitcoin bottom talk or is it something that uh, gets up in your head? I, I sold my last fiat share coins uh, on right after uh, the the no 2x and segwit uh, activation uh, because that proved to me that Bitcoin was something special and that a minority could still get in get something beautiful into the protocol such as segregated witness uh, but that a minority could also defend the consensus against a attack like no 2x uh, and this showed to me that Bitcoin is all that we need censorship resistant Libra sound money uh, and and we, we got that in. Uh, so that was when I, as well as you did, uh, my, uh, Adam, uh, get all my mind shift on full Bitcoin. Uh, so the price, oh, I could care less, really. Uh, it's the most boring thing in Bitcoin. We are here to build something ineffably beautiful. Uh, and we are on our way of doing that as we speak. There is so much going on in Bitcoin. I hope the bear market continues because the last year and a half were, were beautiful. And I hope it continues much longer because if we keep this up and if we keep building Bitcoin and getting it much stronger than we have done so recently, oh, wow, uh, this is going to be a blast. And I enjoy every second of it. Now, that that's that's a good attitude. That's a good strong hand attitude. Everyone check out Max's link below to his Twitter. All these dudes are linked to below. Check out all the links below. Everything we talk about is linked to below. And Ma Max, so yeah, you, Max doesn't do those clickbait titles that say 6,000 tomorrow, dropping by $10 in two seconds. I mean, yeah, to me, that is so mindless. And I'm glad he said it's the most boring thing in the world because I, I don't see how so, And but most people love it. Most people want to be told it's going to be 7,000 tomorrow. It's going to drive. You must trade it now back to 
why even why get stuck in tether? Why get stuck in fiat? I mean that that's that's a fear of mine. I wouldn't uh, to 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 sell my precious Bitcoin and they get stuck in one of those things. I, it would be the end of the, at the end of the world. I would never do that. Of course, I would never do that. Um, John, do you do you have uh, any thoughts on the the, the so called bottom uh, of the of of the bear market? Um, no, I don't. I'm too bullish on Bitcoin long term. Like I said, like four years from now, whatever we're looking at today, we're going to be wishing. Oh dang! I wish I bought back when it was only. You know, back in 2019, four years ago. So I, I have no idea. To I don't try to predict the bottom. Uh, I'm such an optimist. I just say we're going nowhere but up long term. Well, and you see, that's the thing. On a, on a video that I did when I was ripping on people, there's just everybody trying to say, well, it's an 80% chance that the Bitcoin bottom has already occurred. I, you don't, you've got to look at time differently in, turn, in the world of Bitcoin. And you have put, think of it, value your time in havings and just know you you if you get into this game you got to be willing to go through one 210,000 block cycle and so many people are impulsive and are unable to do that but with your 210k uh, block theory i think people can uh, teach themselves and and can understand that you know so far if you're a fiat freak uh 210,000 blocks later it's always worth more chris any any thoughts on uh bottoms and whatnot uh, it's really hard to predict the exact bottom, um, and, you know, exact top, but I do think that you can look at the four, there's, there's clearly some sort of four year cycle, at least if you look at the last eight years or so, um, you can kind of see some things that, that tend to happen. Um, and you know, if, if you look generally when you get within uh, about a year of the happening, it's, you know, at least the last, last time. Uh, you know, we were at a bottom at that point. And the patterns seem very similar to what's going on right now. If, if they hold that way, you never know if it's really the bottom or not. But you do have to consider that, that there is a supply shock every four years. And in other markets, uh, you know, like if that happened in other markets, generally the price goes up. So, you know, the same thing's happening here. There's in, you know, in, in mid-2020, we're going to have half as half the amount of Bitcoin coming in and everyone knows about that. Bitcoin has been around for 10 years now. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be selling Bitcoin at this point, um, you know, but, you know, we'll see if the, this pattern continues. I, I like John's um, 210 uh, block theory. Actually, one interesting thing about that I'll say is that um, it's kind of the strange coincidence that, 210,000, it's actually 2.1 million minutes is almost exactly four years. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think that's something that Satoshi kind of just put in there and, and people haven't really talked. I haven't heard anyone else talk about it, but I just think it's kind of this amazing coincidence that 2.1 million minutes is almost exactly four years. So yeah. That is, I never knew that. <laughs> Maybe that is why yeah. he picked that number then. Very, very interesting. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I, 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 really good point, and I really think that Satoshi had three different numbers in mind when he did that. I think he said fifty Bitcoin per block, happening every four years with a block time of ten minutes. 
I think these are quite rough or good numbers, right? That 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 work out, and that leads to, of course, fifty new Bitcoin um, with then uh, one hundred and forty-four blocks per day, and two hundred ten thousand blocks till the next happening. Uh, so I think that might work out. There, there you go, people. Magical numbers. Also, oh, can yes. I chime in here real quick? Yes, please. Also, kind of a side note here. I also I really appreciate that the happening always falls like approximately six months before every U.S. election. Well, it's going to slowly move back in time, though, I think. I yeah, think no, it will. But by then, we'll all be retired. It's yeah, yeah I, I'm glad that it is in, in election years. That is, it's, well, it's easy to remember, too. All right. And, and I guess Summer Olympic years, too, for those of you who care about that kind of uh, wasteful thing. All right. So uh, let, let, let me say, Guy Bennett, thank you for the $5 in the Super Chat. He says, if you accumulate Bitcoin a little bit at a time every week, you are guaranteed to have bought Bitcoin within a week of the bottom. Be systematic. <laughs> I like that. And Bellevue Hospital sends 20, and thank you very much for that guy. And Bellevue Hospital, nice name, sent 20 bucks. He says, Tony Traveler is crazy for Bitcoin. Well, thank you, Tony Traveler of Bellevue Hospital. Thank you for all the support, everybody in the super chat, especially you dudes that, that sent those super chats. It's very, very generous of you on this uh, fake FUD Friday. So uh, there was a story, Chase is, uh, Chase Bank uh, debanked or said they were willing to, it was from Ver Veritas videos, uh, James O'Keefe. Uh, and I, I talked about this earlier in the week, but I, it, it, it pertains to Bitcoin in a way uh, that uh, Chase Bank is very willing, apparently, uh, according to a customer service person of theirs, they got on tape to not do business with uh, conservative people or with those type of people. Now, I don't care if you're conservative or liberal, but this example shows us that a tremendous bank out there, now they're they're denying it because if they, if they put it out there in the open, a lot of people would get angry. But that a tremendous bank out there get, might just shut you off one day or might not do business with you. Thus, you probably should learn how to be your own bank. Well, how would one how would one go about doing that anyway? Um, d Max, uh, d Max, you like to speak against uh, speak about banks and and uh, countries and, and such. Uh, your your thoughts on Chase perhaps uh, debanking people and what it means for Bitcoin? Well, on the on the one side, right, this is a entrepreneurial choice and uh, as a entrepreneur you do not have to serve customers you don't have to do anything right because this is your property and if you don't want to sell it to someone else well okay uh, but of course on on the market for for, for free ideas and competition uh, where where different entrepreneurs vie to to be the best persons to cooperate with and to trade with well, if you start excluding customer based on some arbitrary reasons, then you will lose money and then you will go out of business quite soon. Well, it just happens, though, that, of course, banks are very centralized, very monopolistic. They push out uh, new upcoming uh, entrepreneurs trying to enter the marketplace and therefore they actually exclude others and they also don't give them an alternative and there is no alternative well at least there was no alternative until bitcoin because guess what bitcoin will never censor you they will never exclude you you will always be willing to come to bitcoin we're happy to accept you as a peer on our network if you abide by the same consensus rules uh, the nakamoto consensus rules uh, so is it good for bitcoin yeah for sure anything is good for bitcoin <laughs> i love it uncensorable people that's 
that's an example of censorable and Bitcoin's an example of uncensorable. Uh, Chris, your your take on Chase and uh, I, and I agree with Max also. Yeah, they they can do what they want to do. It's the market. If if they're going to be banks that want to not do business with me, let them not do business with me. That's fine. That's a, that's a choice. Um, Chris. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I actually bank at Chase. Um, I you know, I mean, I don't have one hundred percent of my money on Bitcoin. Most of it is, but um, you know. I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't really see them actually doing that. If they did, that would be really silly. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can do whatever they want. I think the only thing that I would say about that is that when it comes to, to dollars, um, you know, dollars are a monopoly and the, the banks are certainly, uh, you know, there, there's only a few of them and they, they have a lot of advantages that come from, from the government. I mean, just by getting the monopoly on, on, the Federal Reserve being able to be legal tender. So I think given that that's the system, it's a little bit more um, critical that they don't discriminate against people. But, you know, I mean, maybe that's why we're talking about going to this new system here with Bitcoin so that there isn't a monopoly anymore. But I mean, like whenever whenever um, a group has a monopoly, I think that these things become much more critical. So, Well, I just want to tell everyone the signs are out there, people. You should get into Bitcoin. That's that's a sign when James O'Keefe uncovers uncovers uh, that that Chase might not uh, want to do business with you if you have certain political beliefs. Bitcoin doesn't care what your political beliefs are. You can be the worst of the worst. Um, John, your thoughts? Um, I'm I'm pretty anti deplatforming in general, but I I agree with both Max and Chris. I mean, I do think that the dollar and banking as a, as a whole are a total monopoly. Bitcoin challenges their monopoly. And I mean, Chase has absolutely no incentive to allow people to use a product that completely undermines their hegemony. So I think it sucks, uh, but it's also, it's, it's creating an incentive for people to find alternatives to the legacy banking system. So yes, it's their right. Yes, they're mitigating risk. Uh, yes, it sucks. Uh, use Bitcoin. It's it, better. Exactly. That's the conclusion. Unfortunately, James O'Keefe in his videos didn't bring up the use Bitcoin part of it. But hey, now let's let's move on to Max here. You have been tweeting about Wasabi Wallet. And people have been asking me about Wasabi Wallet. So I decided to get Max on the show. So Max, take it away. Uh, you were going to show some stuff with Wasabi Wallet. Yes, yeah, so Wasabi Wallet is really, really amazing. Uh, and it's a privacy-first was uh, wallet. Uh, so it takes care of your privacy and it helps you to protect it and to reclaim it. And of course, privacy is your natural law right. And you don't have to share everything that you do with the entire world. You can selectively reveal information about you and yourself and your property. Uh, of course, right, that's common sense. And Wasabi is a tool to help you with that. Uh, so there are many, many cool things in Wasabi. For example, all the communication is over Tor. Right? It actually uses uh, good coin selection, so you don't just randomly spend your, uh, for example, the coins that you receive for your salary, like one Bitcoin, you don't spend that on a piece of coffee, right? because uh, that will reveal how much money you have in that one coin. Um, and it also has, for example, the BIP 158 Golem Rice block filters, uh, which is the neutrino implementation that Lightning Labs has uh, contributed to. Uh, and this basically means that you no longer tell uh, a random server which addresses that you are interested in, but rather you just 
let or you just download only the blocks uh, that your ad addresses are being contained with, very private. And because it's over Tor on a network level privacy, if you use Wasabi, it's as good as a full node. But the cool thing is very easily, as a matter of fact, even automatically, if you run a Bitcoin full node on your laptop and you install Wasabi, it will automatically connect to your full node and pull these blocks from your own fully verified blockchain, which is really, really good. Uh, but of course, the best and awesome feature is the Schnorr blind signature coin joints that Wasabi offers as an additional service on top. You don't have to use them, but it's pretty, really good. Uh, so it basically, or the problem is that Bitcoin and the time chain is a chain of digital signatures that lead from the Genesis transaction in the Coinbase to the current UTXO, the unspent transaction output, the coin that you can spend, right? And because it is a irrefutable and indestructible and mathematically proven uh, chain of digital signatures, it can lead your history of transactions. And what you can do basically is you can collaborate with a bunch of different peers on the network and you can provide several inputs in a transaction and then you can provide outputs in the same transaction. And if these outputs are of the exact same value, all of them, then if you have an output, it is completely unclear which of these many inputs you have funded uh, this output with. And that is a, a coin join. And there have been many different implementations of that. I think Gregory Maxwell introduced the topic in 2012 or 13, uh, but Wasabi Wallet has implemented it almost perfectly. It's really, really good. So there is a centralized coordinator, the Wasabi Wallet server. Uh, but the cool thing is because of the Schnorr blind signature, uh, it means that the Wasabi Wallet, uh, or sorry, that the Wasabi server does not hold your keys. So you're always in control of your money and the Wasabi server cannot de-anonymize you. And that's a mixture because of using Tor to communicate and blind signatures to encrypt all the important stuff. Uh, and so what you can get easily and with rather very low cheap, uh, very low fees, the cheapest on the market, you can get pretty good anonymity set, uh, which just means that it's unclear what your history was uh, that you that is represented in that coin in that UTXO. Uh, and it's basically just a tool to reclaim your privacy so that not everyone knows how much money you have. Now you're going to show the latest feature on there with the uh, screen share before. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay, yeah, show tell us what this is all about. So this here is the Wasabi wallet, right? You see a history tab here of all the transactions that you can make. And as you might see, they are all blanked out. And this is one of the new versions here, version 1.0.1, no, sorry, 1.1.4, I think. Uh, and this mode specifically here is the so-called lurking wife mode. Uh, so if your spouse is right next to you or a ninja is right next to you, they might see your wallet balance. And the cool thing with this feature is that you can completely stop that uh, fr from happening, right? So that is really, really nice. Uh, so as you can see, you can selectively reveal which coins you will spend. Uh, and then you type in here the address that you want to spend it to and you give it a label. So in Wasabi, everything is labeled uh, because that will help you selecting which coins you actually want to spend. Uh, and you have a really nice way here of, of specifying the fee, even seeing how many Satoshis per byte this is, right? Uh, and of course, the most beautiful tab right here is the CoinJoin tab, where you can set different anonymity sets, right? 
uh, that that will then be part of how many other peers uh, have or are part of that coin join. And since recently, we've reached a goal of having 100 anonymity set per coin join round. And there's one coin join round every two hours at the latest. Uh, so this means that you can get really, really quickly a lot of anonymity set. Uh, and that will help you just to, to reclaim your privacy. Yeah, I, I've got a question about this. Uh, do you think governments of the world know about this product? And do you think they will act upon it or they have better things to do? Oh, yeah, they know about it. <laughs> but unfortunately, we forgot to ask about their permission. Uh, so that kind of sucks <laughs> for them. Very, very good. Very, very good info there. I want to say DJ Seafair sent two bucks. Thank you, dude. He says BISC does not do KYC. Uh, Zell is one option in BISC. Yeah, that is that's true. BISC, BISC does not do KYC. That is a uh, a, a good good reminder there. Uh, before I, we're gonna, there's another question that I want uh, uh, Max to answer. But before we move on, Chris or John, do you have anything to say about uh, Wasabi and privacy? Um, yeah, so I think that Wasabi is doing the best stuff that can be done on you know in, within the Bitcoin protocol at the moment. Um, you know, I, I still think at some point we want to look at potentially doing anonymity at the protocol level. And um, so, you know, that's just I, my only comment. I thought that might be coming. You're, you're a fan of Mimblewimble, obviously. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. It, I've, I've been working on Oh, uh, that, Max, what are, what are your thoughts on that, that, that implementing Mimblewimble at the protocol level? Um, it's really difficult to say because it's trade-offs, right? It's always difficult trade-offs. And with Mimblewimble, uh, they, they have some really cool privacy features, uh, but it comes of the, with the trade-off of having less scriptability and uh, being just overall, well, uh, more cryptographical primitives that you have to assume. Uh, and because it's quote-unquote new tech, right, it doesn't have the Lindy effect that Bitcoin has with, with the very basic assumption that, that we make here. Um, it's it's a cool experiment, absolutely, um, but I, I am kind of skeptical if it actually can fulfill a money, uh, like the, the, found, the function of a sound and censorship-resistant currency. Um, but, well, uh, open source everything, right? And that's the beauty of anarchy and money, that we can try these different approaches. Uh, John, did you, I, I, I skipped over you. Did you have anything to say about any of this that's been uh, spouted out lately? Um, no, I haven't done enough experimenting with Wasabi. I've definitely done a lot of research. I love the fact that like manual control of UTXOs and stuff like that. But I would like to ask Max, um, would you say that Wasabi is a better alternative than potentially a Mimblewimble implementation? Well, because Wasabi is with Bitcoin, right? It gets all it gets to ride or piggyback right here on the network effect of Bitcoin and the liquidity that Bitcoin as a sound money provides. Uh, so if you want to have a sound store of value and medium of exchange, just Bitcoin is in all regards better than Mimblewimble. Uh, and and uh, to, to the or to, to what Christopher said that he wants to have privacy on the base layer. Um, well, yes, I. I agree with that, right? We want to have as much privacy as possible, but I'm, I'm more of uh, an economist, Austrian economist, and I would prefer absolutely to have a audibility in the money supply to be first and foremost uh, what we should strive for on the base layer, right? So I'm uh, very much in favor of having as much privacy as possible while still keeping the audibility of the total money supply. And to be honest, with coin joints, 
we are pretty damn good privacy already. It's like really, really good privacy. Uh, and especially with, so Wasabi uses equal amount outputs uh, and where the value is exactly equal. Uh, and this means that it's, it's pretty much as good as having confidential transactions in that one round, right? Be or, well, okay, not, well, not really, because of course you still know how much money is being transacted, but it's, it, it has a large anonymity set. Uh, and and that helps a lot. Um, so I think we can do a lot with techniques like coin joins uh, or or coin swaps uh, or or all these other cool privacy techniques. All right, I've got a question for you from the audience because this is one when we got to get like Matt, we answer these questions because I can't answer these questions. Can you address the electron wallet man in the middle attack? Yeah, so basically what happened there is that uh, when you would download uh, from the electro or from a website, uh, the source code or not, sorry, not the source code, but the binaries, the already compiled software, uh, and then it was a malicious version, right? So it, it was not the official software from the Electrum developers. Uh, and this specific malicious attack then had a warning message um, that was sent by Electrum servers that would then sell, hey, go to this website and download a new version. Uh, and that would be the, the, the broken, right? The, the wrong version. Uh, and they were stealing coins, right? They were just stealing your private keys. Uh, and therefore, you have to be careful. And now how can you mitigate this risk? Uh, well, check the GPG signatures of all the software that you download, especially if it's Bitcoin software that touches your currency and your sound money. Um, so learn how to do GPG, learn how to do uh, signature verification. Uh, actually, I can... Uh, I can show that right here, how to actually do that, because I just did that with Wasabi. Let me share my screen again. Oh, let me share my screen again. So it's right here. Um, so I had these files here. Uh, that is the Wasabi wallet right here, the Debian package. And I had the Debian.asc file. And so all you do is GPG, verify the signature ASC, and then the file, Debian. And it returns to you here that this is a signature made on April 23rd, 2019 with using this RSA key, which is a good signature from Napara 73's GitHub key, napara at github.com. Uh, and uh, because I, I verified what, uh, Adam's uh, key in person and have checked that this is actually his, uh, I have full trust in his key. Uh, so this is as like this is all you have to do in order to protect yourself against uh, well against being scammed. Uh, always, always, always check GPG signatures. Okay, dudes, it, don't don't get don't download the wrong <laughs> don't download the hacker stuff. Definitely, um, I want to say uh, my man Jim in the uh, chat. He just sent two dollar two ninety nine. Thank you. He says Max is hardcore Bitcoiner. And a great educator. I agree. He is. He is really hardcore, and he's he's polite about it too. He, he's uh, he's got a very calm demeanor. Uh, <laughs> so, so I like that. And uh, you know, you can have the energetic uh, pumper, and you can have the calm educator. So uh, that that is very awesome. So we are getting toward the part of the show where everyone can bring up their own their own story that maybe was uh, left out this week. Uh, Let's see, Chris, anything you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so I wanted to respond a little bit about some of the things Max brought up, um, like with the scripts being limited. Um, so you can still do uh, most of this important smart contracts on Memo. You can do multi-sig, atomic swaps, and Lightning Network. 
Um, and then with the cryptographic assumptions, it actually has the same cryptographic assumptions as Bitcoin. It's the logarithmic, the logarithmic cryptographic assumption that it uses ECDSA and it also uses a range proof, but the range proof um, has the same cryptographic assumption. So you're not really trusting any new cryptography. Um, the, the, the place where I think it would be an improvement over Bitcoin and getting it into Bitcoin would, would be really hard. We have to come up with like ways to do that, you know, kind of like we did with SegWit. First, we thought it had to be a hard fork and then people made great ideas about how to eventually figure out how to do it. Um, I think it's like more around the fungibility. So like, you know, you have all these um, things like whale alert, someone sent 399, uh, 3,999 3, Bitcoin from Bitfinex this morning. You can never have that on Mimblewimble. Um, because every transaction, the amounts are encrypted. And so there wouldn't be these kind of services. And to me, that's a, it's sort of a bug, I would say, in Bitcoin that, you know, we need to work on and figure out how, how to address it. Um, so, you know, and with, with uh, wallets like Wasabi, I mean, like I said, it's great. It's great that they're doing that, but it's always limited to who's using it. Um, so, you know, if however many people you have, like, you know, if, if Coinbase doesn't use Wasabi Wallet, you're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be in the anonymity set. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, I'll bring up the project that I'm working on. So I'm, I'm working on MWC, which is a fork of the green code, and we're giving it as an airdrop to Bitcoin holders. We're giving out 6 million coins. So it's proportional to how many Bitcoin you register. So, um, you know, we think that, you know, we're going to compete with Grin and, and Beam. There's other people doing it. We want to test out the technology, also give a way for Bitcoin holders to be rewarded and get some coins. And if this works out as a technology, they'll be rewarded as well. Um, so our registration is open. We opened on April 20th. We're open through uh, July 19th. So you can sign up right now, mwc.mw. Um, yeah. How many, bi how many Bitcoin have been registered so far? I didn't look this morning, but the first weekend we got uh, over eleven thousand. So, we're so okay. Going. Chris, Chris's link to below. I forgot to link to mwc.mw. Mwc.mw. Yeah. I'll I'll add that afterwards. I wanted to say, uh, Guy Bennett, thank you for the five dollars. He says Max's voice is so soothing. I would buy B cash from him. Both ABC and SV. Well, thank you, Guy Bennett. And I'm sure, I'm sure Max appreciates the, uh, the comment about his, uh, that's such an insult. How, <laughs> how, how do you ever assume that I would sell you Bcash or that nonsense? <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> well, it's, it's the voice, the soothing voice. You could be a salesman of all sorts of altcoins. Uh, someone also said something very interesting. Let's see how Mimblewimble goes in Litecoin first before considering it in Bitcoin. And of course, there is that it, Charlie Lee, I think, tweeted about uh, Mimblewimble once. And hey, that, that would really uh, make uh, Litecoin us, uh, well, that would pump its price if they somehow tried to implement M Mimblewimble in the base layer there. And it would, They're working that, on it. They're that, working would on it. that would definitely make it. Uh, a, a true test nest, nest, and a very exciting uh, test net for Bitcoin. It, if they did something like that, so yeah, I, yeah, they they did say they were working on something. I, I know. Um, so that was that was from a few weeks back. But interest, that's an interesting reminder. And hey, they can do what they want to do. It's the free world and everything. I I I don't believe in in Bitcoin implementing it on the, on the base layer, though. I think it's it would be uh, too many arguments, and there'd be a fork. And I mean, 
yeah, you, you, know, you know how it goes sometimes. All right, uh, John, what are your uh, final thoughts or stuff that any comments you want to say on anything that was said or any, anything you want to bring up? Um, yeah, actually, I'm looking at some of your comments here. Um, and somebody mentioned uh, if you had any, if anybody had any thoughts on Samurai Wallet. And I know that they have some sort of coin join implementation as well. Um, maybe Max can touch on that. I'm not as much of a technologist. I do think that Samurai is doing uh, good things for the space. It doesn't sound like it's quite on a level with um, Wasabi. With Wasabi, but I, yeah, it looks like yeah, Guy Bennett is asking any thoughts on Samurai Wallet. So if any of you guys have thoughts on Samurai Wallet, well, they're they're doing good work, right? Advancing the space and and being privacy first and focused on is very important. Um, but but as you say, right, there are just inherent limitations with having your uh, your node uh, your wallet on a phone. Um, mainly, it's it's just resources. I mean, running the, Wasabi is heavy software. Uh, it's all over Tor. Right? Tor is not the most reliant, especially not on a phone. Um, and also, being BIP fit one fifty eight, a Golem Rice filters block filters means that you have to download rather a lot of of stuff. Uh, and it, um, I mean, Wasabi is, is privacy first in many, many ways. And because of the inherent limitations of running on a phone, it just doesn't work uh, very well. But of course, also, can, or and uh, Samurai is SPV. So you tell all your coins to their server. And regardless of what blockchain level privacy that you get, they still know everything. Now, with the caveat that Samurai is still not in version 1.0, and they're working on getting a Samurai Dojo out, uh, which will be connected to your full node, uh, and then you are no longer an SPV node, and you're no longer communicating back to their server. And if they uh, get this out, and they, I think they're pretty close on getting it out there, that is very nice. Now, to the coin join part, it is the exact same protocol as Wasabi Wallet. It is the zero-link fungibility framework that Adam Fiskor and Opara has developed. Um, and they have tweaked some of the implementation details. They have smaller rounds with less peers, less anonymity set. Um, but they utilize uh, a feature called reverse coin joins that happen kind of accidentally in Wasabi. Um, they focus on doing this for every single round. So it, it's, it's different trade-offs uh, on the design implementation. I'm not too certain if we can say which is better yet. Um, Wasabi does batching um, of different denominations in one transaction. So in one transaction, you have 0 0.1 Bitcoin, 0 0.2 Bitcoin, 0 0.4 Bitcoin, 0 0.8, 1.6, 3.2. All these different denominations in the output can be created within the same transaction, which is more block space efficient, and thus it's cheaper overall. Uh, and so with, with uh, Samurai in Whirlpool, and that is what they call their implementation, um, they, do so, they have a unique transaction with each denomination. So they have a 0 0.05 Bitcoin denomination. And then all the transaction, or sorry, all the outputs in that one single transaction have, for example, a 0 0.0501 input, all of them, and all of them have a 0 0.05 output. So all the inputs are the same value, all the outputs are the same value. That's a reverse coin join. Uh, and uh, it's really nice. Um, and which one is better? Really tough to say. We need to do a lot more research on that. I want to mention something that was just brought up in the chat. Can coin join be illegalized by governments? Yes, it will be. <laughs> I believe it will be. Um, how about you, Max? Come and take it.
<laughs> so yeah, it's I, I think some government out there probably will will make it. Uh, I mean, even when they asked the uh, Canadian, when the Canadians sent that tax document to people who they knew had crypto or thought had had Bitcoin, uh, they asked them, "Have you used any uh, mixers and stuff?" So I mean, they're they're on the trail of of stuff like that, and so yeah, th there'll be some uh, there'll be some governments that say it's illegal and. Uh, We'll see how that plays out. I mean, governments can say anything. They can do any. I mean, this is, there'll be some uh, uncomfortable points in time, uh, let's just say. Um, but if they knew what was best for them, they would just uh, let everything, there will be some countries that let everything progress uh, naturally, I believe. Yeah. And you know, the right answer to that would be, of course, yes, I have done coin joins and I have an anonymity set of over 9,000. But then in a tragic, tragic boating accident, I lost all of these private keys. So unfortunately, I cannot prove it to you. Ha, huh, tragic. <laughs> tragic indeed. All right, uh, Max, your your final thoughts uh, today. Anything you wanted to add? Anything that, any stories you wanted to bring up? Look what little magic toy I just got in my mail today. Yes, it is the cold card Mark II. Uh, the cold card is already amazing. And I have in here the cold card Mark I, right? And it has these really weird like buttons that are kind of touch. And you can already hear that. Yeah. Clicky buttons now. Yes, that solved the only issue that was there with Wasabi. The sh very horrible touchpad. And now with clicky buttons, we have the beautifulness uh, of the cold card wallet. Complete offline signing. You connect it to a battery pack, not to your laptop. You communicate the partially signed Bitcoin transactions, which just got merged into core version 0.18. And you communicate that over SD card directly to your Wasabi wallet. Because since version 1.4, Wasabi now has hardware wallet integration. And it's tailor-made for the cold card because it actually uses partially signed Bitcoin transactions as well. So now you can have your, your coin joint funds securely transferred to your hardware wallet, to your cold card wallet. And oh, it's beautiful. It's getting together. Uh, so yes, cold card wallet, get yours. Mark II is out now. Best hardware wallet available. All right. Well, best hardware wallet available, you're saying. Okay. okay. That's it. It's your opinion. That's an interesting one. Coming from Max. He's a, he knows about this stuff. Uh, that, that was a, that was a good, good ending there. Well, everyone, you asked about Wasabi. You wanted some more uh, technical type of stuff. I brought it to you, baby, on this show. And it was a lot of fun. A little bit different than what we usually have. But hey, we did current events. We did tech. We did everything. Uh, I, I'm I'm always excited when I hear about uh, making things more anonymous. And uh, we shall see how this all, all progresses over time. So I hope everybody had a good week. And uh, keep your hands strong for next week. You, you never know. There'll be some more FUD, some more. Oh, God almighty. But I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to the channel, like this video, share this video, pound that like button, bang that bell button. We do this show every Friday. I do a new show every day of the week. Saturday night, we will be I will be back on this channel. So wishing everyone a great weekend, a great end of your Passover. Shabbat Shalom. See you later. Bye-bye, everyone.